Hello. So, welcome back, Dutch Oven Podcast. You know, I've been pretty heated and pretty lit up the last couple days. Not really anything specifically. Um, just like, in, I, and when I said days, I meant my last couple podcasting. So this time I'm going to be more rational, as they say, less emotional. But I just want to offer some observations I've made about the American election and how that's all shaken out. So I'll give you a little history lesson on my, my own personal views, right? So I have issues with polls all the time. I mean, the one of the main indictments of polling is that the people that answer polls tend to be less indicative of the general population, right? So that means, that's to say, if you're going to respond to a poll or a survey or something like that, you probably are little more politically inclined than the average person. Most people, if you get a phone call, hey, would you like to do a survey? Most people are like, no. Even even you get you get asked, at, you know, oh, you could win $1,000 if you complete this survey. Surveys are just polls in a, in a different way, you know. They're just polling people on what they think about, say, Walmart or whatever, right? Most of us don't do them, and we don't want to do them. I'm sorry I'm eating probably not a great way to have a podcast but hey I've committed so listen to me too enjoy listening to me too I'm eating I'm an Albertan life is good but uh, (laughs) um, so anyway so so we we all kind of would understand that the majority of people who are answering polls um, are are not the average person, right? They're they're made more politically inclined or whatever. Any for whatever reason, right? Little chug lug, and here we go. All right. So when when I see polling data, and and mind you, I come from a political science background, so I understand political science and I understand the purpose of polling, and I understand how important that is to political science, right? But I'm I'm more pragmatic than that. I, I think polling data is just too unreliable. And I mean, we saw that in the 2016 American election. And I wanted to kind of touch on that just to contextualize what I'm saying. So I was taking political science classes during that election. And I, I remember hearing all the polling data, Hillary this, Hillary that, but I knew that people didn't like Hillary Clinton. And you could make an argument, you could make the case that there was sexism involved and stuff like that, sure. I I would accept some of those arguments, but I'm less inclined to believe that was the whole picture, right? I think there was numerous errors made. And say what you want about Kellyanne Conway, who is one of Trump's advisors or whatever, um, who Trump's feuding with her husband right now, which is kind of interesting. But Kellyanne Conway, I saw her on on um, Bill Maher, 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 I don't know, however you pronounce that meathead's name. I hate him. But anyways, I would see Kellyanne Conway on his show quite a bit before she got involved with the Trump campaign, and I was like, damn, this woman is smart, and she may have gaffes gaff after gaff and and she's not the most outspoken but when it comes to political strategist she's smart 
Steve Bannon, another guy. You can say what you want about his politics. You can say what you want about, you know, some of his media coverage, like the stuff that he would do. But the guy is a political genius. And I don't care what anyone says about that. I would challenge that a million times. Um, if anyone criticized Steve Bannon's intelligence, right? And he might have some abhorrent views and it might be some racial views and, you know, that is what it is, but that doesn't negate the fact that he's an incredibly smart political uh, strategist. <laughs> My mouth's full again, so. Choo, choo, choo. All right, I couldn't stop myself. It's fried chicken. What do you want me to do? I can't just look at it. You know, I'm not Satan. Um, but anyways, so, <laughs> so Steve Bannon, political genius, right? So he comes in, comes in here, and they they come in and, and, and they guide Trump's campaign. And when Trump's running against Hillary, who had a ton of scandals and was a very, like, she was a very, very controversial figure. A lot of people were critical of her. And it seemed like she was, you know, kind of forced down people's throats. And I remember seeing Michael Moore. And I, I was on this page when Michael Moore said it, when he said, if we're not careful... Trump could win this election, like, and, and nobody took that seriously, you would see Bill Maher, and he would just, he was so, no, you, you can't lose, you can't lose to Trump, well, political strategy is why, no, she shouldn't have lost to Trump, but she thought that Obama states would be her states, and, you know, it's a long story, but long story short, I was in political science classes, and I was one of the very few vocal people who said that Trump could win that election? And I, I was quite certain he was going to. Um, and people, you should have heard the comments I would get in these classes, like, "Oh, I'm racist. Oh, I'm sexist. This and that." And I'm like, I'm just pointing out what I think. Like, it had nothing to do with where I would have voted. If it was me, I would have been like all the rest of them. I would have abstained from voting because I'm of the view that if you don't give me something to vote for besides saying you have to vote it's your duty to vote well you it's your duty as a political party which i was already on about the other day and how much i hate them but or i might not have been but anyways we'll, we'll get into that another time but i hate political parties i hate them with a passion and you know what if you, if political parties aren't doing their job which you know their lone job is to convince you to vote for them that's all they really have to do. I mean, yes, there's a lot of bureaucratic bullshit and all that stuff, whatever. At the end of the day, a party needs to figure out how to get people to vote for them. Simple. Knock at rocket signs. Everyone tries to complicate everything so that they can look like experts. And those same people would be like, oh, no, you try to simplify it because you just don't understand it the way I do. Like, I've heard that so often, and I'm just like, yeah, okay. Yeah, you're a genius. Anyways, so I had these people just jumping down my throat hey because i would say i wouldn't vote i didn't hillary didn't motivate me you know i didn't like what they did to bernie sanders and they did it again but he kind of cowered in this election but we won't get into that he he did he he cowered out i i can't believe that they even allowed like so sorry to backtrack so so i got all this stuff thrown down my throat political science classes i'm a racist sexist xenophobe all that stuff Whatever. So when I ended up being right and I was in those classes, oh, 
it, if I would have said I told you so, man, I would have got tar and feathered probably. Because, yeah, like, I didn't say I told you so because there were people in those classes that were literally devastated. Devastated. And I was just like, no, it's, it's okay. Like, like it's, it's going to be okay. And, I mean, Trump has done some shit. But you could make the argument that he's done a lot economically for the United States. And some people say, oh, the poor, the vulnerable have suffered more. Okay, sure. And, you know, you can, it depends what numbers you're looking at. And two things can be true at once. I always say that. And so, yeah, you know, the United States as a whole could be doing better. But the most vulnerable people are doing worse. And I don't know that. I hear that argument. But I, I haven't really seen the statistical data oh we went went back to statistics but i haven't seen the evidence right and and that's the thing about you know statistics right is like it's it's messy so i I don't want to say all the time yeah anyways so data can be complicated we're just gonna say so (laughs) i'm looking at I'm, i'm 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 looking at the u.s election now right so i i got that right I nailed that, and anybody who knows me knows I got that right. And I've been saying a lot of little things about this election. I, I, I haven't been as vocal as I was because I'm not in the political science classes anymore, so I'm less like sure of myself in terms of politics, um, you know. But that's not to say I'm not pretty. I, I'm aware of what's going on politically in the United States. I'm, I'm quite aware of it, right? And so when we went through, I was, I I watched the debates, right? I'm really into it. So I was watching the debates and I was just like, wow, I was all about Tulsi Gabbard. And, and, and then when they're starting to say she's a Russian agent and the Hillary Clinton, Tulsi Gabbard's, you know, Russia wants her to win. That could be true, but that doesn't mean she's a good candidate. She was an awesome candidate and she got screwed over by the mainstream media and I just, I love Tulsi Gabbard. I, she stands for a lot of things that I, I, I stand with her on a lot of issues. And if she was running, I would, I would want to vote for her. I wish we had candidates like her in Canada. She would, be make, she would make an amazing conservative Canadian politician. Like amazing. She would be outstanding. But, it, but anyway, so I'm looking at, at this stuff, right? And then they're, they're doing the same thing they did with Hillary Clinton, with, with Joe Biden to some extent where the 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 Obama kind of team and you know what Obama like everyone there's a lot of blame that gets pitted on Obama but it's the same in Canadian politics as it is in federal politics most of the people pulling the strings or or that are have the say they're not the front runners you know there are people behind the Clintons there are people behind the Obamas there are people those are front men they they don't they're not everything you know what I mean? And so th- this is where I have a problem. When everybody's pointing the blame, they find people and they put the blame right on them. And the, the people that are actually the ones to blame are just left, you know, and it's almost like the deep state. But I don't think it's even the deep state. I think it's, it's you know, the deep state exists. I do believe in that. I do believe the CIA, FBI, NSA, all that stuff. They, it's same thing in Canada. They exist. And they're pulling, they're making moves. But they're battling with other elites behind the scenes. It's not just a, a one versus one, like Democrats versus Republicans. There's a lot more going on than that. And anyone who doesn't at least, you know, accept some of that, the truth behind that, you know, 
that's a, you're entitled to not believe it and dismiss it all as conspiracy theories. But if you look at some of the the policies and you look at some of the things that happen, you know, Jeffrey Epstein's murder, which is mur- which is a murder, not a suicide. But I guess I saw Netflix might be coming out with a documentary on that. But anyways, so these are games being played, right? And so, long story short. I, I I watch what's going on with Joe Biden. And for some reason, that version, those elites, those, uh, and for lack of a better phrase, the Obama elites, they think, they are seriously convinced, 100%, that the only, it wasn't, it wasn't policy, it wasn't scandal that didn't get Hillary Clinton voted in. It was sexism. I believe this. This is my commentary. This is what I believe. And they are so convinced that it that it was strictly sexism that's why they're putting up Joe Biden and that's why they they're forcing him because he shares all the the Hillary Clinton Obama policies but he's the white old male and they think okay if we put up a white old male against Trump then we can't lose because then sexism won't be a factor <laughs> and it's like man oh man it's maybe sexism influences some people's votes but most people are voting against them based on policy. You know, I, Joe Biden's policies sucks. And this is one thing I'll say to bring Alberta into this. You know, I I, <laughs> I like Jason Kenney's bets. People are saying, because Jason Kenney invested, invested $7.5 billion into the Keystone XL. I don't know. He invested $7.5 billion. And so a lot of people are saying that he basically is gambling on the next election election because Biden said he'll he'll um, he'll veto the Keystone XL pipeline, right? So Jason Kenney has literally bet seven and a half billion dollars on Trump's re-election, and I mean, if we get a return on that as a province, I like that bet because I strongly feel that these Obama-style, Clinton-style elites are totally wrong about the 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 effect sexism has on that. You know, if you look at some, there's there's all types of, of female professors who have studied and showed that sexism does exist in politics. But you got to be careful with a lot of that polling data. And this is to bring it back to the beginning. Because when they're doing their, their research and they're polling people, they're only getting a little taste of what the actual political... Uh, appetite is right and so i don't i think that they'd be you'd be hard pressed to get accurate accurate research surrounding the effects of sexism on the individual voter you know i think there's a lot there's so much going on in that situation to boil it down to sexism is just trying to let yourself off the hook and i think it i i truly believe them them putting joe biden up the way they have is they they've realized okay we're we're go- they're they're gambling on it too, they're gambling the American economy. They're gambling every you know a huge, a huge election. They are gambling on the the influence of sexism on voting, and I just I think that's so short sighted, and sh- so naive and just a losing strategy. It's a losing strategy. People are sick of being told how sexist they are like they are like we're all being we're all sick of being told that you know i i got it firsthand i remember 
I was in one po- political science course, and I'll never forget this because I, I'm still sour about it to this day. Because I'm, I stated we were talking about Western liberal democracies and stuff like that, and there was one girl, and uh, she was Muslim, wearing the hijab, no problem. She had immigrated here to go to university, all good, and we're chatting, and it, we me and her had a great relationship up until this one point. Then. We're in class, and I can't remember what we're talking about, but I said, I made the statement that relatively speaking, in terms of, of what I think the ideal country should be, I said, I think Canada is the best country in the world. I really do. I think, you know, I have, we have our stains in our history. I'm not even negating that. There's racial issues. There's still injustice. There's still a lot of work that needs to be done in terms of Canada's society. But at least we have progressed and we're improving. We're, we're so far away from doing things correctly how we should with Indigenous groups. But we're progressing. And so I'm very proud of Canada as a country and how far we've come and how, and how I see, you know, the future is bright. The future is bright. I mean, our last election, like the women's representation in politics has increased, you know, almost exponentially. Like it has at least a a linear increase. I mean, our last election had like the most MPs, our last federal election, the most female MPs that have ever been elected. There's, you know, the gender neutral cabinet. Now, I don't always agree with that affirmative action type of policy, but I also, you know what? It doesn't bother me because I know there's a lot of, of very adept women in that political elite frame. You know, most female elites uh, are, are keen, as self-interested as anybody. And, you know, Shakespeare said, I think it's hell hath no fury like a woman scorn. And I actually do believe that. I think women can be more petty than men. They act like they can. And I'm generalizing. That's how it goes. But women can be pretty petty. I mean, <laughs> you know, people, it, there's always, you know, anyways, I'm not going to go there, but it's one of those things where I, I strongly believe that, that we have, we have, oh, because of toxic masculinity, we have totally negated the fact that there are a lot of toxic femininity, femininity, yeah, fuck, I'm just tongue-tied today, but yeah, so anyway, so this girl, we're, we're sitting in class and she makes it she I say Canada is the best country in the world relatively speaking because of XYZ and she turns to me and she's like you are a white supremacist I'm like uh I don't know I don't care who does what when where I don't care what color you are I'm more about meritocracy meritocracy is the language of supremacy like okay okie dokie like I just shut up just shut me down. I was like, okay, this is conversations over. I'm not, I'm not going to keep discussing this, but I thought it was actually kind of ironic how a girl from, I think she was from South Sudan or something like that. She was, I can't remember specifically, but she's from a country where (laughs) if, if she would speak like that to a man, it wouldn't have been good for her, but she's, chose to come to a country to go to school where can she can express herself fully without any recourse there's no problem you can she can throw supremacy out at me but if i made a comment no but that's but that's the beauty of canada that's why i love our country is because people can come here 
and criticize it. And it's okay. Because that's what we're based on. That's why we're the best. You know, I didn't hate her. I don't hate her. I thought it was kind of silly. I, I hate I hate when people choose to move here and then criticize. I don't like that. But I don't I don't want them to take away her right to do so. Ever. I think that's that's fundamentally what, what makes our country like unique and great. And uh, and that's why I love it. But you know, I, I kind of got on a tangent there, but it's just, it's because like I, these political science places are, are so, it's so tough to express yourself and it's so tough to, to, you know, hold alternative views. Like it really is. And, and if I come in and I say, okay, I think you guys are hedging your bets on sexism losing you the last election and I think that's a mistake I have people criticize me all the time in those classrooms in those spaces even on Twitter you see it all the time on Twitter everybody wants to have a scapegoat and the isms the dogma stuff is the perfect scapegoat for most of things in society you know but that's that's life like that's how it goes I Again, I I have no problem with but with with people trying to anticipate elections and making predictions and stuff like that. Like you have to do that. But I mean, look what happened the last time. They made a fool out of themselves and then instead of being accountable for Hillary losing that election, there was blaming James Comey, there was blaming, you know, the emails, there was all that stuff. And instead of just looking at herself and saying, "Damn, I should have campaigned in Wisconsin. I should have put more effort into Pennsylvania. You know, I should have I should have done better in 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 these kind of places. I should have worked harder. I shouldn't have thought that I had a default de facto win. And they're doing it again. And and Donald Trump is eating them up. He's eating them up. You know, they're trying to say 100,000 dead this and that. Like sure. But <laughs> you know, you can't they, everybody tries to lay all the blame on these one people. Yes, I get the president is the most powerful man in the world. The president of the United States. But again, Trump is just a part of a crony group. And and the more we pit the blame just at his feet, the more we're letting people continue doing what they're doing behind the scenes. We need to stop turning everything ad hominem, these ad hominem attacks and and you know we need to just reassess reassess how we see things and and it has to do with polling data you know again polling data is the problem we use these polls from a very they try to think it's a, a an unbiased sample or it's an objective sample no all these samples have complete biases within them because you don't you don't do these these types of things unless well, unless you uh, um, and, unless you have an invested interest in them, you know, and, and it's all so that's just my little spiel for today about the American election. And and I think again, I, I think Trump's going to win. I think Jason Kenney has made a good bet. I think oil prices are going to rebound. I think that Keystone pipeline is going to get built. It's it is, and you know. It's, that's just, that's, that's what's going to happen. Because the world is, you know, 
until Trump's no longer president, which is going to take another, you know, it'll take another eight years, I guess. Well, four years on top of this, right? You know, we're going to, we're going to continue having these same, you know, the same stuff and people are going to keep trying to blame sexism or racism or all this stuff. And, and, and people like Trump are going to keep getting reelected. And it's just, you know, it's, that's until we can go into these universities and be honest and have honest conversations and actually like try to discuss things, you know, in a, in a more comprehensive way. And, and start removing some of the biases from our, our analysis of these situations, especially politically and especially in the U.S. policies, it, it, or politics, sorry, then we're going to, we're not going to be able to make good predictions. We're not going to have to, we're not going to find more objective samples. Because for the most part, people are always looking for confirmation bias. You're always looking to find what you believe, like it or not. You know, we want to be, we don't like being challenged. We like being reinforced. So, that's my spiel for today. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Or I hope everyone enjoyed it. Just to be more mature. Thank you. All right. So, this is, uh, this is the second segment. Um, I just, I was done. I was going to call her done for the day. But then that Meng Wanzhou or whatever I, I'm not sure specifically how to pronounce her name I'm not the greatest of Chinese um, well whatever uh, Mandarin there's no such language as Chinese it's either Mandarin or Cantonese okay well alright whatever semantics but sure anyways um, <laughs> so so there was room so she if you don't know most people do know she got arrested for ba- and, and was facing extradition, which is getting sent to the States. Long story short, I'm not sure specifically what the facts of the case are, but as, as far as I know, it's that um, the, it goes like this. The United States had sanctions on Iran or North Korea or somebody. There were sanctions in place. And... This Meng Wanzhou, who's the VP or chief financial officer of Huawei, they decided to, I can't remember if they stole the chips or they were selling chips to Iran, something. It had something to do with them selling chips. They made the choice to go against U.S. sanctions and sell certain parts to uh, Iran. I'm pretty sure. So the United States was, after everything that's been going on with China, they're pissed, right? And so this... This Meng Wanzhou was, or whatever, was was being was going to be charged in the United States. Well, she flew through Vancouver, and she got arrested on the U.S.'s request, uh, and to face an extradition hearing. Extradition hearing. So there was a huge issue, and that's one of the major issues between what's happening between Canada and China right now. China's pissed because. Being who she is, the VP of Huawei or whatever, a, a lot of the commentators who I read said that in a different kind of, within the Chinese Communist Party, she could almost be considered a princess or like of royal uh, uh, royal, royal bloodlines. So she's considered a princess. So Canada arresting her is a big deal. That's like arresting a princess. So China has been pissed about this. And so because of the demographics of Vancouver, and, and I'm sorry if that comes across um, 
racist, but it's not. I, I'm just saying because of the demographics of Vancouver, personally, I was I was wondering how this this first hearing was going to go. And I heard a lot of rumors, I read a lot of rumors that it was going to go in her favor and she was going to be granted early release. And I, I don't like that, man. I, it's, it, I don't agree with all of the Americans' policies, and I hate their sanctions on Iran. I think it's, it's brutal how the United States treats Iran. Um, you know, you're creating terrorists the way that they have sanctioned the heck out of them, and, and I just don't agree with it. I think that's not the answer. I think Obama, they had that policy right when it came to Iran. I, I honestly do. I don't, I don't think the way to get the result you want is to suffocate somebody, but that's... That's realism versus idealism. That's a whole nother thing. Um, but so personally, I don't think I think they they she let let the United States deal with her. Let the United States deal with those policies, not us. It's not our our decision because we're gonna piss somebody off no matter what we do. And considering, in my opinion, that these countries are lobbying to use Canada as a battleground. Uh, I think it's better to force their own hands, get it out of ours. But so I was pre- I was convinced that the the even though they say the the courts shouldn't be you know they shouldn't be susceptible to public pressure. You know, you live in Vancouver, you come from an environment of a lot of Asian people. You know, there's not you can't help but feel a little pressure. And this judge. I completely shut me down and shut me up and I'll never say it again because I was completely wrong in this in this area. They so they ruled against her. She's staying in under house arrest. She has to wear an anklet uh, or an ankle bracelet whatever. Um but yeah, they ruled against her. China's going to be pissed. Something's go- I have a feeling like China already made some moves on Hong Kong yesterday and now the United States are, are the United States government is dubbing because Hong Kong had had because it was a um, um, two systems one state or whatever they had some lax travel uh, re, uh, travel restrictions and stuff way laxer than China and now the United States wants to lift that because they're going to consider Hong Kong part of China China's making moves here they're making moves so they basically took the only liberal democracy true liberal democ- democracy in Chinese mainland, they took them. They said, no, you're not going to be a liberal democracy anymore. You have too many, too close to ties to the West. And so now if them, the judges ruling against her, China's going to be pissed. If I was a Canadian in China right now, I'd be getting the fuck out as fast as I can. Because the Chinese are coming for you. And there's no doubt in my mind about that. They are gonna, they're going to put more Canadians in jail. They're they're gonna they're gonna make moves on this, but I just thought I'd add a little extra segment because I'm really happy about that, uh, and it makes me proud of Canada because we need to start standing up for ourselves. This is a law. We have an extradition tr- treaty with the United States. If roles were reversed, we would expect the United States to send us our our criminal or alleged criminal, right? Like it it, it makes it would I would have been so ashamed. If we would have bowed to Chinese pressure and gone against the rule of law just because China told us to, that would have showed showed me a lot about my country, our country. You know, we we don't we're Canadians. We're proud. We stand up for ourselves. And yeah, 
we, you know, we, we might be underdogs in every single fight, economic, political, everything, you know, but we show up and, and we, we give her. And that's, if you look historically at being Canadian and you look historically at how Canadians have helped the Allies in world wars or any war, we, we more than, than pull our own weight. And if, you know, and everybody should be quite aware of that. We pull our own weight. Always. So if we start letting these bigger countries, these superpowers, boss us around and, and make us go against our own values and our own rule of law because they're mad, well, then, then what do we really have? Then we're just puppets. And I just, I couldn't live with that. I'm, well, I, I'd have to live with it, but I would be, I'd be pretty disappointed in, in how we acted. And we took a big step for me. Um, I'm really, really happy with how this, how this went out uh, or how the judge ruled on this. And I hope, I just, I just want to get her to the United States and let them have that mess. But I, but I have a feeling, you know, you, you start, you know, the United States tries her finds her guilty and puts her in jail even if it is one of those corporate jails ugh, China China will will make make moves and they're already making moves like I'm I'm watching them and Russia has been quiet this is the other thing I think Russia's sitting back thinking okay we're a superpower but we're just gonna sit back and let's let's watch what the Chinese and the Americans do to each other and then we'll wait and see how we play this. You know, China and Russia are de facto allies. So it's the idea of uh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. But they're not that close. You know, Russia would be very careful to, to keep its eyes on China. And I think they will. You know, the Russians are smart. They're pragmatic. You know, they, they hold some the most homophobic policies. But they're not alone in that, you know. But anyways, that was my second segment. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, I should get back to work. Thanks.